Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Right, you guys got your Bibles? No, all right. Someone was honest, but it's okay. <laughs> Take out your phone, yeah, get a Bible app, download it. But if you don't have a physical Bible, let us know. We can give you one. Also, anyone who could uh, verbatim list back all the announcements, Colt will give you twenty bucks. Hear me, Colt. I'm always impressed when he gets, I bring back up. That's why Mariah comes up with me, but Cole can just list them all down. All right. Well, if you were here, I think two or three weeks ago, we, we did part one of this. We're going to kind of talk a little bit on recap of what we did last time. But we introduced something called uh, the, the characteristics of the apostolic church. And so today I want to follow up a little bit on some of the characteristics, but I want to also move into the assignments of the apostolic church. Uh, as I said the first week when I was teaching this apostolic, I know some of the terms, especially in our culture today, can just feel so big and so grand and so like, I don't know. But very simply, it's just the apostolic or the word apostle is a term that we find in the New Testament that Jesus used he was using it to refer to those who were sent, sent once. Jesus himself being our chief apostle was sent from the Father. He said, I only do, I only say what I see the Father saying, what I see the Father doing. And as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And so we kind of talked through that, but I wanted to just kind of mention it again, you know, because we're talking about it and it can seem like such a big phrase, but it really is a foundational thing in Christianity. It says that the church is built on the foundations, Jesus being the chief cornerstone, but on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets of the apostolic and of the prophetic ministry, which is very much still active today. And so a few things that I just want to, I don't want to preach the whole thing last week, but what I'll do is instead of breaking down each point, I'm just going to highlight one sentence each point. We talked about how one of the characteristics of the apostolic church is that we are sent. We are sent with a mission. We are sent by God. Just as Jesus sent the 12 and sent the, the 72, and then we kind of see that going. Even Paul had Timothy and sent Timothy. Even Paul had, had Titus and sent Titus. We see this model in church that we raise up people and we send them out. And we do that in, in our world still today. And that's Matthew 10 where we see... Um, from verse 6 down to verse 40, that Jesus sent them out. And the second part of that is if we're sent, that means someone sent us. And the beautiful thing is we're, we're sent, you know, Jesus was sent by his father. And so it's this thing, we're, we're not like a business structure where we're pumping out these power church business ministries and we're, you know, doing, it's no, we're family and we're sending family to go find the lost family. And so when we're being sent out, it's the same thing in Matthew 10, verse 40, where Jesus says, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. 
And this is our reality. When we get sent out and whoever receives us, wherever we are in the world, we represent the Lord. And when they receive us, they should receive the Father because they're receiving him. Okay. Um, I'll say one last thing on that. It's also the example we used, you know, as we're, we're ambassadors, right? We see that in scripture, but it's this thing. If we're sent, we're representing the Father, but we're also representing his kingdom, which means we don't have to play fairly. We don't have to be contained by the laws per se of the earth, but we get to represent and come representing the kingdom of heaven. As you know, Pastor Bill was saying just before, it's just these realities that don't exist in heaven. They don't have to exist here on the earth. And we as ambassadors get to partner in and use the prayer, whether you call it the, the, the Lord's prayer, the disciples prayer, whatever it is, but our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's this thing coming from a father, coming from a fa from family, leading into on earth as it is in heaven, finding out, okay, Lord, what exists in heaven? How can we make it exist in earth? It's the whole principle, which we're not gonna teach on today, but binding and loosing, really not just picking and choosing what you wanna bind, but finding out what is already bound in heaven, let's bind that on the earth. What is already loosed in heaven, let's loose that on the earth. And that, when you do it that way, you're partnering with the heart of God and you're becoming as ambassadors, you're becoming as an apostolic people and you're releasing the realities and the culture and the ways of our Father that already exist. It might be new to us, but it's not new to Him. It might be new to our culture, but it's not new to His kingdom and releasing that into our world today. I think that's what you see, like you read in the history books and you see you know, we live in a culture, we live in the 2000s, but if you look back into the 1500s, or you look back into another era where they lived in revival or they lived in a different day in a different culture, you know, why, why is something not existing today? And that's why, you know, scripture says there's nothing new under the sun because there's not. It's these things that we live out, both good and bad, they've been in contention with each other since creation. And we're just living in a different day in a different time, looking to heaven, the place where God dwells and dwells here with us and looking to release it as ambassadors. All right. Some of the other things that we did, we talked about Christ-like character that represents the apostolic church, represents the apostolic people. And I'll list some of those things to you and you could write this down and whatever you want to do it. But one of the things is we put family first. And I mean, not just spiritual family, practical family, meaning you make time for your wife, you make time for your husband, you make time for your kids, you make time for your brothers, your sisters, your family. We, we, we do, we don't put ministry first. We put family first. We put relationship first. Uh, one of the other things, um, we see that with Jesus. He had a ministry to the world, but he had the 72. But of the 72 or the 70, depending on your translation, he had the 12. And then even of the 12, he had the three. And so he, he modeled something, even with his natural family, he was born to Mary. He stayed in relationship with his mother, with his brothers, who maybe didn't buy in fully in the beginning, but did at the end. Uh, he modeled the value of family, of relationship and community, right? It wasn't just a mission, it was family. The other thing, we walk in love. If we don't have love, then we have nothing. You know, we can function in all the gifts, we can do all great things, but if we're not doing it in love, then we're, we're building in vain. And I challenged you guys last time, and I'll remind you today, if you have a, a struggle to just keep your love turned on towards people, then that's something worth investing time 
and finding out why is it I have a hard time with certain people, especially the ones that are closest to us, especially our family, maintaining a loving relationship and Christ-like character in love. Thirdly, integrity. We are an integrous people. We are honest. We are this reality, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 to 7. I'll just read it. You know, we are blameless. The husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into, into reproach and the snare of the devil. Probably not everyone's favorite verse, but maybe it should be. You know, but, but it's this challenge of living a life above reproach. Not just in what we do, but in every area, a lifestyle. So that, that means we probably need people around us. That's why probably family is first, so that they can give us feedback and be like, yeah, you do great on the stage. You do great in a small group, but really don't like the way you talk to your, your parents, you know, or your spouse or your friends. It's just this thing of let's look at all of our life and let's live in integrity. Let's live in honesty. Let's live in transparency so that we're the Colossians 1.10 that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing the knowledge of God. We are people who are faithful. Just as our father is faithful, we are faithful. We follow through. We are people who are humble. God resists the proud and exalts the humble. We are people who are submissive. We know how to submit. We know how to come up underneath leadership. And not just that, we know how to submit one to another so that people can hold us accountable, not just to our mistakes, not just to our weaknesses, but to the high call of God that is already on our lives. It's this thing, if I'm going to grow, I can't grow alone. And so humility comes in and says, you need other people. And not just need them around you, but you need to be able to submit yourself to those who can call things out of you, both things that need to decrease, but also to call things that need to increase, okay? You know, if there's moral failure, if you have struggle, if you're going through trauma, if you're going through trial, and you're doing this, you're setting this up in your life, it's not that you do all these things and then nothing bad happens. No, things might still happen, but when you set these things, these Christ-like characteristics, and you build these things up in your life, when you go through the hard times, then you don't have to go through it alone. And then you have people that can come alongside of you and remind you of who you are, because they know the word of God over your life. They know what you're called to, and in the midst of failure, in the midst of struggle, they can help you up out of the pit, right? And so those are, those are some of the things that we talked about that are like topical. And the other things that we're, we were assuming, but maybe we shouldn't, but are assumed is, is also fruits of the Spirit. It's the Galatians 5. Be, be the fruit of the Spirit, but, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against, against such things, there is no law. And so these are those things, those fruits that are assumed even on top of all these other things that we are not just hoping for, but working towards being active and being extremely fruitful in our life, all right? Some of the other things, 
and then we'll, we'll dive into today's topic. We talked about extraordinary authority, that it's a sign of those that are in an apostolic community, an apostolic church. And the scripture says that these signs, you know, we were praying today of, of the miracles, the signs and wonders, that these signs that follow those who are leaders. No. These signs follow those who believe. One of the ways, one of the identities of us is we are believers. And I love that. I love that we're called believers because there is this temptation or this struggle that even Peter wrestled through that we wrestle with unbelief because some of the things that the Lord invites us to seems so impossible that it's easy to slip into like, oh, I don't know if that's for me. It's like, no, all you have, you don't have to do anything to earn that or work towards it. All you have to do is believe. And what are we believing in? We're not believing in a phrase. We're not believing in necessarily a work. We're believing in the one who sent us, which is Jesus and the kingdom that he represents. It's the king and his kingdom, right? So we're not just trying to build a culture or build a kingdom without him because then we're building a kingdom without a king but we're coming with him to build his kingdom and his way so that when he tasks us with the impossible things, we know, okay, well, this is definitely you because I could never do this without you. And so I like to say it like this. If, if, if we're not facing impossibilities, then we're not actually exercising our faith because if we're just building or doing dreams that we could do on our own, that we're not actually leaning on the strength of God to be made perfect in our weakness, then we're not exercising faith, which is believing in that which is in the unseen and calling it into today. And faith meaning we need him to do it. If I can just do it in my own strength, then yeah, maybe I'm using my biblical principles and using the things I've learned in life or leaning on the giftings that the Lord's given me to build something, but I wanna build it with him because if I build it with him, then I'm not laboring in vain and then I'm building something that will last and then I know that which I'm building won't be burned away in that day because I'm building something that's on his heart. But that takes relationship. It takes asking questions. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says this, that he's appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that, workers of miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. And I believe that part of that apostolic authority, that we're moving in extraordinary authority, looks like signs and wonders being released through his believers, through us who believe, through his saints. And so, you know, the only way we see signs and wonders is by going after it. The only way that we see the sick healed, that we see the dead raised, that we see demons cast out is by praying for people, is by stepping out and taking risks. The only way we see miracles in administration, miracles in helps, miracles in these different areas is by taking risks and doing things that would be impossible without God. That's what makes it miraculous. Like Bill was saying, it's, it's supernatural here, but it's natural in heaven. But this is the call, the assignment, which we'll talk about a little bit too. The assignment of the apostolic community, of the apostolic church, which is, it's us, is we take that prayer on earth as it is in heaven and we lean towards it. Are we gonna see the fullness of that reality today? No, probably not. And I think there is this struggle. You know, there's this phrase in, in, this, in theology called um, now and not yet. I don't know if I'm getting that correct, but it's now and not yet. 
And so we use this phrase for things in the scripture, like when we say, you know, when we pray for the sick, they'll be healed. Well, there's the now and not yet. We'll see the fullness of healing in eternity. So in eternity, yes, there will be no sickness. There will be no disease. There will be no pain. Yes, in eternity, there will not be poverty. There will not be all these things. And we say, but we'll see portions of that on this side of eternity. And we live in the now, but not yet. And that is good. But I think sometimes, because as we were saying before with Peter and unbelief, we can hide behind the not yet. And we can have theology that's true, but practice that lives in the not yet. And one of the things we've corrected, I think, at least in the last couple decades, because there was a generation before us and they were doing their best, but they were living for eternity and placing all of these promises in the other side of eternity, not this life, where well, we'll see healing, we'll see prophecy, we'll see it, but it's not now, it's for over there. And then in our generation, we've watched as like, no, there's portions of that for today. There's, and we've said amen to that. But I think the next step is not hiding behind the not yet and stepping into, okay, well, Lord, what do you have for today? What is in the now? And living as much as we can in the now and knowing we'll still receive of, of everything that's the fullness that will come. I believe when the apostolic is in its place and also the prophetic, well, not today, but next time we'll talk about the relationship of the apostolic and prophetic. But when those two things are in its place, then we will see across the church. And again, I'm not just talking about Life Center. This is like what the Lord's doing in his church globally. When it's established as the foundation, I think signs and wonders become natural here on earth. And we go from a supernatural mindset, well, this, if we're living in Christ and we are also seated in heavenly places, then we get the assignment of bringing heaven to earth. So the things that naturally come to heaven start to naturally come on the earth with us who believe. The apostolic people are revivalists. I love this. We are carriers of revival. Again, fancy term. We probably used it for... I don't know, a couple decades now. But revivalists is just simply ones who carry Christ and bring things back to life. That's all that's happening. Revival is when something that was dormant, something that was dead, something that wasn't fully vibrant and filled with life comes back to life. And as as Christians, we get to partner with that. You know, we should just read the prayer. I think maybe every time we'll do it. But let's turn to Luke 11. because I keep quoting it, but let's read it through. And this is in response. You know, one of the things that his disciples came to him and said, they didn't, you know, they didn't say, Lord, teach us, teach us how to heal the sick. They didn't say, teach us how to do these different things. The, one of the questions, they asked them a couple questions, but one of them was, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because they understood and they watched his ministry and they would connect like this guy, this guy prays and then, Something happens after he prays. So Lord, teach me how to do that thing that you're doing. And so he says, okay, this is what you do. Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. My translation doesn't have it, but others say, for yours is the glory and the kingdom and the power forever and ever. Amen. And this prayer became a blueprint for them. It becomes a blueprint for us. It becomes a way of almost like an order in our heart. Father, family, in heaven, what's going on in the heavenly realm, in the heavenly places? Okay, if I want to know that, Lord, give me, open up my eyes to see. In Ephesians, open the eyes of, of my understanding, the eyes of my heart, so that I may know what is the width, the length, the height, the depth of the love of Christ. To understand the Father, to understand the ways of heaven, we have to ask the Lord to open up our eyes. How do you ask the Lord to open up your eyes? We say, Lord, open up my eyes. These are not, like, I'm not teaching, you know, rocket science. It is, what the beauty of the gospel is the depth is so deep and so wide and so mysterious at times that you could discover things and will discover things for all of eternity. But the beauty of the gospel is it's so simple that anyone can enter into its fullness. It's simple. Anyone can enter into its fullness. And so this, this reality became their blueprint. And so he comes and he, and he releases his disciples and he's in a way giving them a job description. He's giving them a role. He's giving them an assignment and he's telling them, you know, find out what's going on in heaven, release it on the earth. No one is lost in heaven. So they focus on saving souls, right? Getting people born again baptized both in the Holy Spirit and in water. In heaven, everyone is in full maturity. And so we disciple people on this side of heaven from immaturity to maturity. Even in scripture, when you study the word son, you see a progression of thought where it goes from, you know, at, from babies, the word son goes from baby, like child, to teenage, adolescent, to mature sons. And so even as he's referencing the disciples and you look in the original language he goes from calling them that to mature sons and so there is this this invitation to disciple people into maturity no one's demonized in heaven no one's sick in heaven and he gave his disciples and he gives us all authority and all power to cast out demons and to pray for people to be made well and we've seen that both historically in church history and even today, that the Lord is still doing that. He's still healing bodies. He's still delivering people from demonic oppression. And it was their job description. Second Corinthians 12, 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So what's the signs of an apostolic church? It's they will see the fruit in that people are coming and there's signs and there's wonders and there's mighty deeds. What's the mighty deed? They're being healed. They're being delivered. They're being discipled. They're being matured. Amen. It's not just the healing, but it's the Christ-like character that's being built up in a community. Okay? People, when they study the church, they say this. You know, you know we see in the scripture, what were Christ's gifts for? It was for the equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? All of us. And when you look at the church and the assignment of the church to go into all the world, 
right? It's not just going to be the pastoral team. It really can't. It's just a practical reason for that. You got 100% of the church, maybe one and a half to 3% are leaders and staff. 97% are representing the rest of the church. We need all hands on deck. And so the assignment of the 3% is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the assignment of the 97%, which is you, is the work of ministry. What's the work of ministry? It's the Great Commission. It's go into all your world, preach the gospel of the kingdom, disciple na nations, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and lo, I am with you always until the end. I didn't change the subject. So that, you know what? That excites me because it means you're going to see way more miracles than I'll ever see. You're going to see way more deliverances than I'll ever see. You're going to see way more signs and wonders than I'll ever see. Because I'm, I'm tasked to equip you. We're tasked to equip you. But your task, yes, you'll equip others. You'll have disciples. But you're tasked to go and do the stuff. And we do it here as a model, but we also do it here because the Lord's assigned us to minister to you and we minister to each other. And that's an assignment of leadership at church. And we do that and we'll continue to do that. But your task to go and do this out there. Amen. That should excite you. It's better than your response. It's too late. It's okay. It's fine. We're catalytic pioneers. We are pioneers. We do things that no one has done before. As an apostolic church, we begin works where they did not exist before. Why? To bring significant change. We start things from scratch and we can make it happen because we're not just doing it in our strength. We're doing it with him. We, what we plant grows and it grows abundantly. Whatever walls that we Places that we build and spaces that we're in will fill them. Just like a goldfish fills its tank, so the church fills its walls. Amen. We follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. We host the presence of God and we follow his leading. We're risk takers. We will have failures, but we know when to move on. And not everything we start will succeed, but most of what we start does produce fruit. But we know how to move past something that's the Lord's not on it anymore and we'll move on. It means we don't get stuck in religion. We don't get stuck in yesterday. We keep moving forward into today and into tomorrow. We're pioneers. We trailblaze. It's that Isaiah, we build a highway. We lift up a banner. We remove the dusty rubble and build a highway for the Lord. What are we doing? Why are we doing that? Because there's people coming behind us. Why are you removing the dusty rubble? You're removing the hindrance that's before you so the generation behind you doesn't have to have the same hindrance. Why are you lifting a banner? Why are we lifting a banner when we're building the highway of God? So people can see where we're going and they can follow behind us. So people can see it from far away and they can be brought near by the blood of Christ. The church is not supposed to be in hiding. Now, we have freedom here to practice our religion without persecution. There is a church that exists in hiding, but they don't hide as much as we hide. And they have to hide. There's something wrong there. There's something wrong there. We're to lift up a banner. We're to be pioneers. That means we're going to do things that's different and people will say stuff to us. When Noah built an ark, it never rained before. He looked insane. 
he looked off. He looked like someone that couldn't hear the voice of God. But isn't that interesting? That sometimes what the Lord will assign you to do will make you look foolish. To be a fool for Christ. We are kingdom-hearted and kingdom-minded. We, like Jesus, link our hearts with others and pour life into a handful of people. It's simple. We, we have his heart, we have his mind, and his heart is for people and his ways. And so we do that. We link ourselves to people. We associate ourselves with each other. We're not afraid to be associated with people who don't have it all together. We disciple people, not just for the sake of discipleship, but for transformation, for the transformation of an individual, for the transformation of a life. We disciple people so that we can see them not remain where they are, but so that they would grow. And we don't disciple people so that we can build a big ministry, but we disciple people because the Lord loves the one. Now, naturally what happens when you do that your numbers grow. Though the goal may not be numbers, that is the reality. Sometimes there is this thing where, you know, in, a, in the past, we've measured success based on how big our church is. We've measured success based on how big our conferences and our meetings are. And that was wrong. You know, the success was, did, did God show up? Success was, did we do what he was asking us to do? Success was, were we, were we loving on him? Was he loving on us? We're were we doing what he asked us to do? Amen. Success was we love God and he loves us. So therefore we're already successful. But then we did lose something. Not that we lost something. We, there was almost this thing that came in and said, well, we don't want the big crowds. We just want the remnant. And I get it. And we did. We just needed the remnant for a second. Because sometimes the Lord needed to send away the, cra the crowds just so the hungry ones would remain. But the reality is as we're building this thing, it's, it's going to, to get bigger. We're going to see more churches in New York City come up. We're going to see large churches. We're going to see small churches of all different sizes, but the Lord is going to increase. We see that. The Acts 2, the Acts 3, the Acts 4, where they came, the Holy Spirit fell, and 3,000 were added. And so there's going to be an adding. When we have a kingdom heart and a kingdom mind, there's going to be the adding. But the point I'm making is we disciple because we're after transformation, the transformation of lives and the transformation of individual lives will lead to the transformation of nations. Because when you have individuals one by one by one being transformed into the likeness of Christ, then they will transform their nation and they will transform their community and they will transform their culture. And we will see the discipling of nations, not because we go after nations, but because we go after the one. We don't just save souls, we make disciples and we're seeing their lives transformed. And that's how we will see the Great Commission fulfilled. As apostolic people, we are, as Paul said, we are wise master builders. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10 says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. I'm going to read it again, 1 Corinthians 3.10. According to the grace of God, which he's given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. 
I want to take some time here because for the past couple of years, the Lord has really been impressing on my heart. I love we're doing the foundations class. Come out. Pitch number two. Sometimes I feel like we, as Christians, or just people in general, we, we do live in a culture that's instant culture, you know. We want something now. Put it up, you know, order on your phone, arrive. We want it to be ready when we get there. You know, we, wanna, we don't want to wait. We don't want to take the time. You know, we want money now. You know, we want our house now. We want the, the car now. We want the new job now. You know, we just, we're, it's like the instant culture. We want to watch a show. If that Wi-Fi lags for 10 seconds. Do you, you remember dial-up? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was turn the computer on and then go, like, shower, make coffee, and then come back and maybe it would be on. You know what I'm saying? And then you're on the internet. And then you hit download and you'd set, you know, a timer of a couple hours. Maybe tomorrow you'd be able to watch the movie. <laughs> And now here we are, you know, we're streaming. And I just think that there's a part of our culture that doesn't know how to lay foundations anymore. You know, we don't know how to take the time. A wise master builder understands the importance of a foundation. If you've ever watched skyscrapers get built, like a construction job opens and you see the walls and you're like, when the heck are they building this building? It's like two years they're building underground and then the last year all of a sudden it shoots up. I'm going to talk about that. Amen. Solomon. Solomon built something that God assigned David. But David laid the foundations of it. And then Solomon would build it. And Solomon, a lot of people, you know, if you actually read the, the scripture, he didn't actually ask for wisdom. Solomon asked the Lord for a hearing heart. And the Lord gave him a hearing heart and gave him wisdom. And when we're building with the Lord, we, we need wisdom, but we need a hearing heart. We need to be, constantly have our ear open to what the Lord wants to do and what's in here. And the hearing heart, I believe, is key because then you have that Isaiah 3, excuse me, the Isaiah 30 verse 21 that says, you will hear with your ear the voice of the Lord saying, this is the way, walk in it. And knowing, just as with Solomon, that when we hear from the Lord to do something, that wisdom is going to come with it. When the Lord tasks us to build something, and we have that scripture that says, that Bill quoted earlier, that with God, nothing is impossible. That when he tasks us and he speaks a word, that word comes with its full ability to perform itself. We need to ask for wisdom too. It's the first Corinthians 1.30 says, receive his wisdom, his mind, his ways. James 1.5 says to ask for wisdom. But I think we also need to ask for a hearing heart. When considering building, we need wisdom and we need the foundational teachings of the scripture, of the Lord's prayer, of the, the great commission. All of these things that we, we, we learn, that we teach, the principles in the scripture, they help lay a foundation. I want to read a story to you guys. I was, it's from, I don't even remember the name of this book, but 
it's basically a short snippet about the Panama Canal when they were building the Panama Canal. And so oh, oh the path between seas by David McCullough. Anyway, I didn't read the actual book, but someone <laughs> that's why I don't have it, but someone Referenced it, and so then I went and looked up that specific passage and just printed out one page of the book. So I haven't read the whole book. So I don't know what the rest is in it, but I liked this one story. Okay? Uh, so basically, it's talking about how the, the French were building the canal. France was building the canal. They were 30 years. They were having so much issues that was going on, and they were spending tons and tons of money. And I'm going to read this portion of the book. So they were never able to make significant progress because the workers were getting yellow fever and malaria. Many of them died, and a conservative estimate is that as many as one-third of the workforce was sick at any given time. The French eventually sold the canal to the United States in the early 1900s when Teddy Roosevelt was president. After the first American chief engineer quit, President Roosevelt assigned a gentleman named John Stevens to oversee the building of the Panama Canal. Mr. Stevens was brilliant. He learned on the job and became one of the leading engineers in America. But Mr. Stevens didn't focus on construction. In fact, he halted digging for a time to focus on building a strong foundation. One of his first achievements was in building or rebuilding the housing, the mess kitchens, the water systems, the repair shops, the warehouses, and other infrastructure needed by the workers. He also supported his chief medical officer's attempts to get the outbreaks of yellow fever and malaria under control. This included significant investment in sanitation projects, such as fumigation, spraying of insect breeding areas, installation of mosquito netting, and elimination of stagnant water. Despite diverting some attention away from digging the canal to focus on workers and infrastructure, the canal was built two years ahead of its target date and substantially under budget. When, when you focus on the characteristics of Christ, you know, the Lord assigns us to big things. And he asks us to build. And as wise master builders, we have to understand to lay the foundation in our lives, in our community, in our churches, so that when it's time to build, the infrastructure is in place. And the, the things which maybe would have taken years to build, can happen suddenly when foundations are set in place. When family and, and health and priority is set in its place. When we're doing the foundational things, then we can build the things that the Lord has called us to build. We have to take time to lay healthy foundations as an apostolic people, because it's important for the rest of the structure, which is going to stand on that foundation. And I would like to add one other thing to that. Not only do you establish it once, I think a foundation needs to be surveyed. It needs, it's like when you buy a new house, you pay someone money to go check out the foundation. Because if there's cracks, if there's water damage, if there's uh, termites, if there's whatever, that's going to be an issue. And you're talking tens of thousands of dollars to fix. 
it's important to survey even our belief systems. I'm not talking about like questioning it outside of the gospel or questioning it outside of the scripture. You know, we're not partnering with a, a deconstruction movement. No, we're coming in and we're asking questions because that, that movement is looking for answers to questions outside of the scripture. They're looking for the answers that they're looking for so that they can live the way they want to live because the church is not inclusive enough when the Bible told us that the way is narrow. The inclusivity of the gospel is that he sent his only son to die so that we could live eternally with him. It means not that we can include it so anyone can live the way they live. That wasn't the invitation of the gospel. The invitation of the gospel is to stop living the way you live so you can live the way he lived. So we're very inclusive. It's just the inclusivity of the scripture actually excludes carnal living. We, and we can't include carnal living. Okay, so when we build, back to this. When we build, we're laying a foundation. Why? Because it's important. The structure is going to stand on it, but also because we build with excellence. Why do we build with excellence? Why as an apostolic people, as Christians, are we to do things with excellence? Because Psalms tells us that his name is excellent. Excellent is his name. So it's part of our identity as Christians, as believers, as little Christs to do things with excellence. That means when you're tasked with something, even, you know, your job, right? You go to work. It says that the work of our hand is worship unto the Lord. All right, so that means the typing is worship unto the Lord. The filing is worship unto the Lord. The spreadsheets are worship unto the Lord. The tasks, the mail, it's worship unto the Lord. And when you begin to approach work in that way as worship, then we want to worship with excellence. We want to worship in spirit and in truth. We're not just working through the day just to get through it, just to get it done. That's, that might be different for some of us because we just want to get freed up so then we can go worship at church or we can go do outreach. But no, like this is like 40 to 60 hours of your week. Why leave God out of it? And we build foundations even in the workplace by doing things excellently. When I, when I, my last job, I think one of the things I said to my, to the, my boss when he was um, going to hire me, I just took kingdom language. I'm like, you know, I'm here to make you look like a genius. That's, that's literally what I'm going to do. I'm going to come, I'm going to make you look like a genius. I'm going to come in here. I'm not going to come in with my own ideas. I'm not going to get annoyed that you're doing something outside of my culture because he's not Christian and he's not saved. And so I'm not expecting that of him, but I came to build. And, and when I tell you when, when I left that job, to come here, that he, he tried to rehire me many times. Oh, this was two jobs ago. Excuse me. This was two jobs ago. Um, but anyway, the whole point is this, that when you do that, you're doing that, and you're blessing the Lord by doing that. And you're building actually something for him because you're building uh, the kingdom, the culture at your workplace. Practically, too, it's going to open tons of doors of favor for you. Tons of doors of favor for you that will look like raises and, and promotions and more money and things like that. Whatever sphere that we are called to, whether it's the medical field, education, family, whatever it is, whatever the thing that you're called to, that we're called to, I think even our church has a specific call. I think that you as individuals have a specific call. In that, when we're building the kingdom, we're to build with excellence. And when you do that, you will build well. And a kingdom value uh, is that God 
does everything with excellence. So we are to do everything with excellence. The last one I want to finish with, and I don't even think we got to the assignment, so this is just characteristics part two. Tammy said that this might happen, so that's fine. The last one is that we, we know how to finish, and we know how to finish well. Apostolic people know how to finish well. They can bring a project or a season of God to its desired conclusion. They know how to see. We, you have an ability inside of you. You may not even know it's there, but it's an innate ability from God to see and to hear. And we, we know when the hand of the Lord has been put on something and maybe when it's lifted off of something. We know how to maneuver in and out of seasons. When life changes, we know how to not get stuck in last season and to move with where the Lord is leading us. We know how to transition into the next thing. We know the difference between divine assignment and destiny. You know, your assignment is different than your destiny. We all have the same destiny. It's heaven. You know, the, probably the number, one, the number one request when you're in church or youth, from youth group on is like, I just want to know my destiny. I just want to know my purpose. I just want to know. And what they mean by that is like, what am I supposed to do? What job am I supposed to take? What school am I supposed to go to? Who am I supposed to marry? Like, I, want, I just want to know. I want to know. Where's my crystal ball? Shake it. I want to know. But, and Jesus, we, Jesus did this all in, in scripture. People would ask a question and he'd give them an answer to a question they should be asking, you know, <laughs> or, or the answer they weren't looking for. It's like, what's our destiny? Your destiny is heaven. You're destined to spend eternity with him. We all have, you know, destiny is destination. Where we ended up, this whole thing is, is ending with a wedding. So, so as far as destiny goes, that's, that's the parameters. It's the growing in love with him and with others. It's the building of the character. It's the, the walk of relationship in Lord. You're destined to worship. You're, you're destined to pray, to have interaction. You're destined to spend time with him, to spend time with each other, to do the fellowship of the saints, to do the Lord's table, the, the communion elements, to do the, the being baptized in water, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, to do the lifestyle Christianity. But an assignment, it does look like a specific task. And so we know that we have destiny and so then we take time to live right, to grow right, to grow, and to, to have that relationship with the Lord flourishing and thriving. And then we also know that we have assignment, that we don't just sit under the apple tree. Song of Solomon. <laughs> we don't just get fed with cakes and raisins and just sit, you know, before and do nothing. But we know, we know okay, the Lord invites us to build with him and to have tasks and have assignments, to have things that we do. A divine assignment is an assignment that God gives you for whatever length of time that is. But our destiny is heaven and heaven on earth, being one with him, and that never changes. That's important. Your assignment may change, but your destiny doesn't. Amen. You might be doing something different 10 years from now. 
But the thing you'll never do different is spend time with him. And this is important because if we can get those two things mixed up, then when our assignment changes, we may stop doing this. The worship, the prayer, the renewing of the mind, the, the exercise of faith, the praying for the sick, the healing, the signs, the wonders. We might think like, well, now he's called me to the business world, so I'm, I'm going to stop doing all of those things because I need to do whatever. I don't know. But we, sometimes we get those two things mixed up and we have to understand this is one thing is forever, but assignments can change. John 4, verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus modeled this out. Jesus knew how to finish well. He knew how to take the assignment that the father gave him do his will, and finish the work. You are going to finish the assignments that God has given you. Amen. And you are going to finish well. We have the example of people who have gone before us that have failed in the faith, that have had whatever and not finished well. We're going to finish well. We're going to set up the foundations in such a way in our lives that we are going to go the long haul. We are building in such a way that we're going to go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years and you'll still find us burning. Yeah. Worship team, you can come up. Next time I want to talk, we'll talk about casting vision. We'll talk about um, a couple things that are, are, I think, specific assignments. I think it's fitting that we, we're still landing on the characters today, laying these foundations, the characteristics in our life. Why don't you guys stand with me? We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.